0: Well, we're still talking about resurrections and how God still performs resurrection. And I have with me right here my friend Rachel. She's going to share a little bit of her story about how God has resurrected her life and really given her a brand new start. Rachel, you have had quite a journey over the last number of years. A lot of prayers gone up for you, a lot of hope, a lot of belief that God can do something more than what was happening. But uh, you, you kind of took a downward spiral. You took a detour, a pretty long detour, Tell us a little bit about what happened to you.
1: I did, well, actually, um, I'll start by saying I was brought up in this church, um, dedicated almost 42 years ago. And so I did give my life to Jesus when I was eight. Um, but in my late 20s, um, after two divorces, um, my, my life just felt like it was falling apart. And at the same time, I had started a new job and um, A coworker of mine had introduced me to cocaine, and um, that just started a long downward spiral um, into everything.
0: Rachel, when when you get introduced to something like that, it pretty much addicts you right away, doesn't it? And introduces itself to you as a whole new dimension you've not experienced before, so what happens with that?
1: Exactly, Um, I was taken completely out of myself. I mean, my family didn't know who I was, I didn't know who I was, but it was just the the reason it started because I just had so much hopelessness and so much hurt and so much pain um, from my experiences, and I was just looking for a way to cope with that. And you know,
0: and very often one thing will lead to another. So it's not just maybe the cocaine, but then you could experience other things. You experience different drugs besides just that tell us a little bit about that
1: um i would yeah any street drug you can think of um i was addicted to heroin i was addicted to cocaine uh, i was addicted to methamphetamine um all the bad ones (laughs)
0: and rachel when this stuff when this stuff happens to you it calls your name i understand it just kind of it an addiction means you know everything that that entails and it, it just calls out for you and so it's just your body just screaming for that and, uh, and you do just whatever you have to do to get that next fix so you can get another high off of that type of stuff. And for you, that detour lasted quite a few years. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Um, yeah, it did. Some days, I wanna say, it felt like I was using against my will. I mean, I didn't wanna do this, but I just couldn't stop, and there was just a driving force, and it just was forcing me to pick up and pick up, and I, I just couldn't stop. and. Um, it was very scary, and it seemed like the more, um, the more I was hurting people around me, the more I would use, um, just to, t- for that guilt and shame mm-hmm. that I was trying to suppress. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and when you're in that whole downward spiral and that whole detour, and you're going down this, down this path, even though you're looking at some exits once in a while, it's really, really hard to take them. I want you to help somebody that's sitting here that has a relative or maybe a user themselves that's watching you right now, listening to you right now. I want you to talk to them just for a minute and and what kind of hope can you give to them?
1: Um, What I would say is if you have a family member or a loved one that's using, don't don't ever give up hope. Um, Pray for them. I remember sitting in my jail cell one morning and it was real early in the morning and I just started praying and I said, God, help me. I can't do this anymore and at that moment I just felt this rush all over my body and the Lord said to me people are praying for you right now right mm-hmm. now as you sit here and and I knew it and I think that's what got me through
0: mm-hmm. tell us about what it's like living with your right self no
1: um, it's amazing mm-hmm. <laughs> life is so much easier um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm there for my family, I'm there for my children. Um, it's just, I'm helping other people in my, my field as a certified recovery specialist. And, um, Tell us know, a little
0: I, bit about this <clears throat> recovery specialist job that you're involved with now, or role that you're involved. Tell us a little bit about the recovery specialist role that you're in right
1: now. So, a, a CRS is a person with lived experience that serves as an advocate, role model, mentor um, to people in, in all stages of recovery to achieve long lasting recovery.
0: And where's that based out of?
1: Um, so I work for a program called the HEROES program. It's uh, housing emergency response to opiates and it's for the Northampton County Drug and Alcohol Division.
0: Wow, and uh, somebody could probably hear me praying for a relative, a friend, and saying, please, you know, begging God, but they could reach out to that organization and probably find some hope there.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And how helpful have you found that type of program to be for you?
1: Um, well, helping other people is the way to go. And I mean, I, I feel like it would be um, almost a crime <laughs> to not use my experience to help other people. Most of my clients, I mean, they call me. Uh, they need to talk, they're having a bad day, um, they don't know what to do, and I just give them encouragement and say, you know, you can recover, you can do this.
0: Tell us about God's role in your resurrection.
1: Um, I couldn't have done this without God. Absolutely not. I mean, I don't even think I had the desire to, but that's the strange part of it is just that, you know, one day, I just, he took the, the desire to want to use for me. Wow. I mean, he just literally just ripped it out of me. Wow. And I, I don't even, you know. Good. No turning back.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So Christ means what do you know?
1: Uh, my savior, he saved me.
0: Wow. Rachel, tell us about a life verse or some scripture passage of God has spoken into your heart right
1: now? Okay, so that would be in Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 3. It states, the Lord your God will have compassion on you and he'll restore your fortunes and he'll bring you back from all the nations from which he scattered you. And I look at that as um, he scattered me to to rehabs, to jail cells, but all in attempt to save my life so that I can sit here today and talk about this.
0: Powerful. (laughs) He still provides resurrections. Let's hear it for Rachel. Rachel's a part of our congregation, and I thank God for the transformation. Many of us have prayed a lot of prayers for that family and for her specifically. And I thank God for the the hope that he gives. And you know, we played that today because we believe there are people that need to have that kind of hope given to them right now. And so you may be sitting here and just kind of wondering, man, is there hope for my family? Absolutely there is. So don't give up, and don't give up on the brink of a miracle. God still provides incredible miracles. You know, parenting is not for cowards. Did you know that? My goodness gracious, it is really not for cowards. As a matter of fact, back a number of years ago, when we were in the other sanctuary, we had some people here, and they were going to be speaking to us about They were going to be speaking to us about marriage. And then they started meddling. They started talking about parenting. And when they got off on the subject of parenting, I was really shocked and surprised at how willing to be transparent they were. But yet, I was so grateful later that they had been that transparent. You know, when you have a child, you don't get to go to the store and pick that child out, and it doesn't have a return policy on it. Not usually. You are stuck with what you get. (laughs) And you get what you get. And they get the parents that they get. Can I get a witness in the house? So here you are with this unusual, maybe even odd match of parents and kids, and there they are. They're what you get. So when they were sharing so transparently in that marriage conference, I was absolutely amazed when he, a pastor, said, yeah, said, we've had problems that have been so bad during the week sometime, we've actually had the police at our house because we were going at it so bad. Nope. And I said, oh, Jesus, help us. And then he said I would have to get up and preach on Sunday as if everything was okay. You almost feel a little bit phony and I listened to that and filed that away and then I realized wait a minute Pam and I are raising headache, hemorrhoid, and hernia those three children we have and they are ours. At least they come from her side and uh, we have to raise them and raise them in amazing ways. And I realized that we were born in the era we were been born in, and the kids have been born into the world in which time they have been born, and here we all are trying to navigate through this thing called life, and we're trying to do our best, going to get a witness somewhere in a house, and we're not always that good because you don't have a stinking book to go with it, except you do, except you do, it's right here. Kind of a universal book. It kind of covers all cultures, all ages, and whatever child you have. I learned all kinds of things while parenting. My kids taught me. I got educated. You know what's the aggravating thing? When you learn something about it, they grow up and they're gone. Now you know something about it. <laughs> Wish you could have known this whenever they were little, right? <clears throat> Thank you, Lola. Amen from Lola over here. She raised 10, she knows. And so, it is amazing how this all works. You know, it's easy for us to sometimes parent from our moods. You're with me? No, don't clock out. This is going to be an okay message before it's over. Um, sometimes we parent out of our emotions. Really, I don't know if that helps anything, does it? It only escalates. So, parenting isn't for cowards. Let's say it together. Parenting isn't for cowards. You didn't say it. Parenting isn't for cowards. At least that's what Moses' mother Jochebed found out. If you have your Bibles, please open to Hebrews chapter 11, starting at verse 23. We're going to journey through these verses, they're going to teach us some real, real good insights. Because she had some very real choices to make. And by watching her make these choices, we have the courage to make the choices we're called to make. Because even in our day, parenting isn't for cowards. It's not for the timid. It's not for the faint of heart. They were in an unusual time. Difficult time. The word was that any male born of the Hebrew race, they had to be put to death if they didn't get them whenever they were just born because the Egyptian ladies say, well, these these uh, Hebrew kids are so strong, they're so strong, they just have those kids before we even have a chance to respond. So they're already here. Oh, if they're just so strong, well, we can't, we can't do that and we're not going to stop them. So Pharaoh would say, well, put your people down by the Nile. And when your people are are coming out at the Nile, they have the soldiers just go ahead and take care of them. And so the soldiers would seek to take care of the kids right there. And so there would be wailing near the place where there would be bathing and there would be always a wary eye out for crocodiles that might be around. It was an unusual and even troubling time to be able to raise a child. But an important choice, number one, is this. Jacob recognized true potential in Moses. She recognizes true potential in Moses. Uh, Parents need to recognize that their child is a gift from God. Every time we dedicate a child here and and we look at that child and look at that family, we will say that this child is a gift from God. And this is an amazing gift that God has chosen to give to your family. But they recognize he was no ordinary child. As a matter of fact, in Exodus chapter 2 and verse 2, the NIV puts it this way. She knew he was a special baby. Acts chapter 7 and verse 22 puts it this way. Moses was a beautiful child in God's eyes. So somehow, someway, they understood that this child was extraordinary. Now he was going to have some challenges in his world. Of course as a young child to see whether he would even get to live or whether his life would be snuffed out. He had some real challenges. But something unusual and something beautiful, even though he has all kinds of problems. Stay with me here, somebody needs this today, I don't know. Maybe somebody watching, maybe maybe someone sitting here, maybe someone next service. Maybe someone in the other campuses, someone in other venues here today. I don't know, out in the parking lot. Someone needs what I'm getting ready to say here. Even though he had some of his own challenges, he stuttered. He had a problem with anger. He struck the rock. He was mad. And even though he murdered, he thought he knew better than God even though he did this kind of thing they look at their baby and know he's a special baby a beautiful child in God's eyes they look at their child and see that God has something bigger in mind than the failures that he has done aren't you glad for that aren't you glad that God sees past the stuff of our life and some of the early choices that we make and he says well guess what I know who I have made you to be. I know what I've called you to be. And if you will follow me out of that wilderness experience, I will lead you into a land of promise. I will give you something better. Can I get a witness in the house from somebody today? Because I know full well who I'm talking to today. I'm talking to you, you who are broken, you who have questions, you who have all kinds of life that doesn't show through in your beautiful and handsome polish this morning. But I know better. It's a crazy world in which we live. Second great decision she made, Jochebed was willing to risk it all for Moses. You know, a mother's willing to do a lot of things for her kids. If she's a normal woman, she will do a lot of things for her kids. And as a rule, we will follow the laws of the land, right? We will say, you need to obey the laws. I mean, you're driving down the road, you better obey the laws, you might get pulled over, right? Or you're, you need to obey the laws of the land because there are consequences of that, we would say. But Jochebed decided it was okay to violate a rule that was in place that was absolutely against her conscience and against what God had in mind for her. I don't know what our future's gonna be. Our world is absolutely crazy. And right now, it seems like that right is wrong and wrong is right. And it seems like every value that we've grown up with is being washed down the river somewhere. And it's hard to gain hold of that. Legislating this, legislating that. Sometimes they don't need to legislate another thing. Just let the world happen. Let everybody be okay. It's okay. You don't have to legislate everything that moves. You don't have to legislate every problem. Crickets. But you don't it's okay. She said, I'm going to disobey. This wouldn't be the only time the Bible records somebody disobeying what the law of the land said. Peter and the apostles, they were involved in sharing the gospel and there had been a rule handed down that said, stop it, get out of here, don't you share the gospel. Acts chapter 5, read it sometime, start at verse 27 and continue on. By the time you get to verse 29, it says but Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human authority. And that's what they did. They obeyed the higher law, the higher power in that moment. And this is what she did. She said, I'm not going to kill my kid and I'm going to preserve my kid as long as we can. I'm going to do everything I can to allow this boy that God has given me to be able to live And there's a protective nature inside of all of us that seeks to honor that and seeks to raise our kid in the way they should go. It shows that Moses had some kind of great traits in him and that she would pick up on some of these things even from his mother that didn't get to influence him very long. Another thing I noticed is this. She made a great choice. She made a great choice because she planted faith in Moses. Not just faith in anything, but faith in God. She planted that faith in Moses. And I think it's absolutely wonderful. Let me ask you a question. If you only had a little time to influence your grandchild, how would you do that? What would you do? If you only had a little while to influence your child, what would you do? What would you say to them? How would you help them? How would you coach them? If you only had a little while, not a long while, but a little while, what would you do Would you do something of lasting value? Would you just coach them to a good college and a good career? Is that all you would do? There seems to be a high price on that in our culture today, doesn't there? Nothing wrong with that. But let me just suggest to you that there's everything right with teaching them about eternal values everything right with teaching them that life won't just end when it ends here, but there's something beyond here. As a matter of fact, if you live long enough, you'll die. <laughs> and then when you die, you're going to go somewhere. Where are you going to be forever and where are you going to be a minute after you die? Big questions. When you stand in the presence of God, what's going to justify you to enter into his heaven? That, that, that's a big question. That's a good question. One we all ought to consider, right? But are we leveraging for more than just a college and a scholarship? Are we leveraging toward a transformation of heart and life? Even though we don't always have the patience and always know how to navigate, what are we doing to be able to help? She was raising a world changer. She was raising a person who would become a leader. And let me tell you from my own experience, when you raise leaders, they're hard to raise. I was one and grew up the last of four. and My parents were tired of parenting when I came along. I improved their prayer life significantly. <laughs> My parents got very spiritual. <laughs> oh, we already went to church, but they got real close to God when Caboose came along. Yep. If you're going to raise somebody that's going to be a world changer, somebody going to be an influencer, let me tell you something, there are going to be some days whenever it's going to be exhausting. Don't make your big decisions when you're exhausted. Don't leverage stupid conversations when you're exhausted. I regret some of the conversations I had. I regret some of the edicts I laid down. Don't tell my kids. (laughs) I don't think they need to know that. (laughs) I know you're watching. We did the best we could. And that's exactly what Jochebed was doing. She planted faith. Go back to Exodus chapter 2 for a minute. Exodus chapter 2. This is good stuff. If you go to Exodus 2, start at verse 5. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river. That's where they did their bathing. She comes down to bathe in the the river. And her attendants walked along the river. Exodus 2, verse 5. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid out to get it for her. When the prince opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying. Wah, wah. Well, you want to respond to a kid, right, that's crying? You're just like, hey, let's help that kid out. I mean, when I go to a restaurant and hear a kid whining, I definitely want to help him out. <laughs> but this one is whining at the river. And she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister, that's Miriam, approaches the princes, that's Pharaoh's daughter, and said, should I go find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? I just, could I do that for you? Blinking her eyes like she's in a hailstorm. And she says, yes, do. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. (laughs) She knew right where to go. Didn't take her long, did it? She texts her mom, got her there, and says this, Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. Look at this next part. pretty cool, I think. It's a miracle of God. It, it's pretty amazing. I will pay you for your help. <laughs> I'll pay you to raise your own kid. Most kids cost. This one, Wow, well, she had quite a deal going there. So the woman took the baby home and nursed him. Verse 10. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son? The princess named him Moses. I wonder if they called him Mo for short. Called him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. Wow! This is pretty amazing. Unbelievable. Jochebred raised Moses with a faith bent. She raised him. Knowing he was a God sent baby to her. Oh, not like Mary had Jesus, but this was a special child, and God had good things ahead for him, and so she wanted to do what she could to help this child, and that's exactly what she was doing, and she raised him toward that, and later on as she got to influence him, I'm not sure if he came back home sometimes to just check in with his people, but when you go to verse 24 of our Hebrews 11 passage, it says some incredible things for us. One thing it says, he refused Pharaoh's house when he had a choice. Pretty amazing. Amazing had all the amenities, but he refuses those, and he chose to pursue, the verse 25 says, the eternal treasures of God. He decides in verse 26 to follow Christ. He decides here that he would see the eternal reward and value that more than the temporal things that he would set aside in the kingship. Moses was a very smart man. Notice the fourth choice she made. She trusted God to take over Listen to this. If you're ready to listen, please say yes. Yes. If you're ready to listen, please say yes. Yes. This is hard to do. What I'm going ready to say is a mouthful. It's very hard to do, but we can do it. Jochebed trusted God to take over when she was not present. I heard something a long time ago. I said it to you before. I say it again. This is very encouraging to me. It helped me a lot. Pray for those that will influence your kids when you're not around them. (laughs) We can do that. Man, that's pure gold. If you got nothing else out of what I said today, you might want to take that nugget with you. Pray for those that influence your kids when you're not around them because that's great. Because you see what can happen is God can help shape them, even sometimes through other voices. Moses would be well-educated in Egypt. Well-educated. Acts 7 and 22 says Moses was brought up In all the wisdom of the Egyptians, they had philosophers. They had a writing language. Moses would write the five first books of the Bible. They had architecture in Egypt. They were a developed area. Some of the pyramids are believed to have been there then. This is a pretty amazing time period. He's growing up. A lot of influences, a lot of voices calling out for him. He was in line to become the next Pharaoh. Because the culture, tradition, and the way they did things was that Pharaoh's daughter, uh, if she had a son, that son would become the Pharaoh. So he was in line to replace the king, most likely, is what we would understand. But he would give up that kingship. And he would choose to go back to his biological family. And he would suffer if necessary because he had an inner calling in his life that called him to something that was more than anybody else around him would understand. It was a calling from God that he had placed on his heart. Do you know what God's plan and purpose is for your life? Do you know how God wants you to live? Do you know what he wants you to do? He loves you today, and he wants you. And Moses was aware of God while he's growing up, even in Egypt. They had a polytheistic culture where they could believe in any God. But they could believe in only one, a monotheistic culture, if they wanted to. And he said, that's the way I'm going. I've seen what my mom and my people have gone through. They're servants, they're slaves. And I understand the edict was to kill guys like me. And he says, no, I'm going to go with God. Aren't you glad he went with God? He decided he would go with God and he would change history. Let me pause for station identification. Dialing back in just just for a second here. Somebody might need what I'm getting ready to say. So let me say this to you today. Some of you are every other weekend parents. You didn't get to this point by choice, but that's where you are. That's who you are. That's the life you live. That is your reality and the reality of your kid. Take heart. Moses will jockey back and forth. Some of you are foster parents and you're wondering about this kid. Take heart. Moses jockeyed back and forth between Pharaoh's house and his biological house. This is an amazing thing. Moses Moses may not have known God personally, but he knew enough about God that he was inquisitive about it. So when he was out working with the sheep and the bush caught on fire, he says, who are you? What is this? And wouldn't you know it? The bush was burning and the voice of God speaks back out to him and lo and behold, God speaks to him and wakes him up in his heart and in his mind and the thoughts that he could be a leader, that he could be an incredible person. And God looks past all of the stuff that he's done murder he said he looked past that he looked past all of the anger issues he knew he would have you ever have anger issues it's not fun and god looked past all that kind of garbage of his life isn't it amazing and he said i still want you that's pretty that's pretty incredible would you want moses I think we might have just said, well, I don't know, if it, I don't know. Pretty amazing. Moses, one of the greatest leaders to ever live on this planet, was raised by a slave, his mother, and a princess who didn't worship God. is that amazing? He was raised by two mothers, biological mother and adoptive mother. Some of you don't have a good relationship with your kid, your child. Maybe you're estranged from them. You don't like it. You hate it. You don't know how to fix it, really. It's not easy to do. I know that feeling. It's tough. You kind of just have some distance, and it's not easy. It's awkward forever. Those things are tough. Those aren't fun. But what happens if you get your child back? Jochebed got her son back. What would happen if someday your kid would call and the prodigal would come home? Or the difference between would be worked out? Let's believe in some miracles. You've listened very kindly and patiently. I thank you for your kindness in this message today. I want to land with two conclusions. If you're ready to receive them, please wake up. With all of this, with all of this chaotic upbringing, all of this chaotic upbringing, God used Moses mightily. (laughs) He used him mightily. He spoke to him from the burning bush and said, take off your Nikes, your Reeboks, Take off your sketchers. This is holy ground. In other words, I don't want anything you've made to come between you and me. I made the ground. I made you. Get rid of anything between us and stand here because I'm about ready to talk to you about something you need to hear. Powerful. God uses him mightily to begin the process of leading the people from Pharaoh and Egypt and bondage and slavery into freedom. Let my people go. Moses, this same guy who went to the mountain and received the Ten Commandments and came back down the mountain and was so incensed by the people straying from God and creating an idol that he took the tablets. Boom, he was the first person to break the Ten Commandments. And he slammed them to the ground and they shattered into a million pieces. And he goes back up the mountain and there he stands in the presence of God and receives the tablet again. And he comes back down and you and I still to this day in our culture follow pretty much the Ten Commandments as our rules of living. Moses, who would go up on Mount Transfiguration and be there with some of the apostles and with Jesus Christ, God's son, and Elijah, and stand there and have conference, and Peter ran his mouth. Should have just stood there and taken it in, dude. Be quiet. You're among some big boys here. This is the big league stuff. Just be quiet, Peter. He wants to build some tabernacles. God has other plans. That Moses was this Moses. This Moses. And the second observation is this. Remember, parenting isn't for cowards. I think I said that a while ago. You may have echoed that. Did you say that too? Okay. Remember, Moses stuttered. He was impulsive. He murdered. Later, he smashed a rock. But he will be used mightily by God to lead the nation of Israel. So what's the conclusion? I think Jochebed would probably tell us this. We're looking at Bible characters in this message series. I think she would say this. Stand back just enough to give God room to work. Stand back just enough to give God room to work. It's on the screen. Can you read it with me? Stand just far enough back to give God room to work. That gives him breathing room, movement room, and it pulls your hands off, and it puts God's hands on This is holy ground. We're standing on holy ground. For the presence of the Lord just settled in this room right now. Would you put your hands out? You don't have to, but would you put your hands out on your lap or just stand them out like I am right here? <clears throat> Dear God, We release our families to you we don't know what else to do so we give them all to you and as said in the Old Testament when we don't know what to do our eyes are on you so take them and make them what you want them to be in Jesus' name.